There's one thing I want to want us to get to know. God is here. He's not going to come. He's here. Just a couple of weeks ago, it was Pastor Val Treese spoke a prophetic word in this house. And the word of the Lord was this, that God said, I didn't come to be a visitor. I didn't just come to stop by, but I've come to habitate this place. So if he's come to habitate, then he's here. We don't have to do anything but respond to him in what is taking place. I don't know where you are this morning. I'm going to speak something very prophetic. I didn't realize where we were at the moment of time until this week. I can't get away from the word that I spoke last week about the strongholds in our life being tore out and us moving into all the promises of God. And I can't get away from those passages of Scripture. So you're going to have to stay with me. Thank you, Crystal. I'm going to go back to them and I'm not going to repeat every bit of it, but some of it I will. I'll touch again. But I realized this week that we're getting ready to step over into a brand new year on the Jewish calendar. Now, most time, a number of years ago, number of years ago, I don't know how many years ago, must have been 10, 15 years ago, I was in a meeting with Pastor Rod Parsley in Nashville, and we were there waiting to go live on uh, TBN at the time, and we were there plenty early, and I thought it was about this time of year, and I thought, okay, God, I've got plenty of time. I'm just going to sit here and begin to pray, and for whatever reason, I thought we're three or four months away from a brand new year of two, you know, whatever year that was, and I began to ask the Lord, and I mean immediately God began to down load in me for the next year I didn't realize I thought man God that's cool I've got three months to prepare for this I didn't realize that God was saying no it's now because you're operating off of this Roman calendar this Roman Gregorian calendar however you pronounce it like that but according to the calendar of God it is getting ready to change at the end of the month Matter of fact, on the 24th and the 25th of this month will be, I believe it's called it, Charlie, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's Feast of Tabernacles and the calendar on the Jewish calendar changes. We are in a new time and a new season. So everybody say, get ready. You're getting ready to cross over into a new time. That's going to be the title of my message this morning is crossing over. We're getting ready to cross over into something that God is up to and something that God is doing. I know many of you have, like me, I've got people here. Let me me just say this because we've got people of every every stage and every walk of life. Some are new believers. Some have been in this thing for years. And and you're you're mature in the Lord or supposed to be anyway. And we're all listening. We're all hearing and we're listening from different facets of, of what God is speaking over our land and over our nation. One of the things the Lord quickened to me about it, if we're not careful, our ear is so attentive to what God's going to do in our political spectrum of our nation that it's real easy to miss what God is talking about globally. 
because God is speaking to his church, not just to America, even though I believe God is speaking to this nation. I don't know what you hear. I hear all kinds of things and I'm listening. I'm listening from several different sources. I've got a number of people like you I, I, I follow and attend to. I was with somebody the other day and we were talking about such and such prophet. And I have to be honest with you. I, I said this to him. I said, I'm having a hard time really knowing what they're saying. They're saying a lot of stuff, but what are they saying? It doesn't make sense to me. And I believe in them, and I believe in them greatly. But I believe if you and I can't comprehend and understand what God is saying, then we're really as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And if we're going to move forward, we've got to have an understanding of what, I, of what the Lord is saying. Not what I'm saying, but what the Lord is saying. Now, out of all of that, I believe there's a few things that I believe all of them are saying. Here's the first one I believe is this. I'm just saying setting you up for something, so just hang on. I believe the prophets are saying that the earth is going to be filled with the glory of God. Not just America, the whole earth is. Got news for you, that's not a new prophecy. That prophecy is thousands of years ago by the prophet Haggai, by the prophet Isaiah, that the whole earth would be filled with the glory of God. Matter of fact, the state of Missouri has been given a name. It's called Show Me Your Glory State. I was listening to a rabbi the other day, and he began to speak about the move of God upon the land. And one of the states that he pronounced that God was going to do great things in was the state of Missouri. That great that there's a great move of God in Missouri. I, I don't think it's coming, church. I think it's here. Come on, somebody. You and I are going to have to start adjusting our thinking that it's not coming, but it is here. It may not be at full maturity, but it's here. We may not be seeing all that it's about, but it's here. See, if we just keep saying one day it's going to come, you will never embrace what is right in front of you. And you've got to start. We have got to start raising our expectation of what God is doing here here and now, not what is coming in the future. The glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth. Here's another thing I believe all the prophets, I don't care who you're listening to, even the rabbis will tell you and declare that this is the time of great harvest. Great harvest. Everybody say great harvest. He's not talking about you being gathered. You're already in. They're talking about those that have not come into the kingdom. Those that don't know Jesus. Those that are so filled with paganism and heathenism that it's unreal. I, I, let me see if I can find something for you. Forgive me. Just give me a moment. i got to go to my phone. I'm not going to make a call, but I want to I look up something for you. I told you recently about my niece that just passed away. And her daughter, her daughter, uh, let me see if I can find what she said. Hang on, because you got to hear this. My niece that just passed away was, was one time a spirit-filled, a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer. I mean, she could paint the 
she could paint the, preach the paint off the wall. Me and her used to sing in church together. We used to sing songs, special songs together years ago. And somehow after getting married and going through a bad marriage and moving away from family, she went on a very, very dark spiral that took her into a world that our family and none of us would ever believe that she would ever, ever get into. Even to the get into the point of pagan paganism and mysticism and such as that. She lived a, a gay lifestyle, married another woman until she passed away just just a couple of weeks ago. Her daughter is in the same thing. Her daughter, no doubt in my mind, she's a witch. I love her, but she's still a witch. And uh, not, you, you know, how am I saying? Am I saying? Well, that's what she is. She's into all that uh, crystal stuff, all the paganism, all the universe, the power of the universe. They're having today, they're taking the ashes of my niece down to a river where they have set up little idols. They have a name for them. They've got them set up over the river, along the river bank, and they're expecting my niece to show up with them, show up with them in a, in a spirit sense. But she wrote this the other night, inviting everybody to come. Oh, where did you go? Sorry, there we are. She said... Uh, she said, we'll be doing, some of you may know this stuff. I don't know it. She said, we will be doing crystal infused Reiki treatment this evening at eight under the moonlight. If you would like to receive healing energy from the divine source, love respond below how I looking at everyone's name and photo, but uh, photo before treatment Love you all. And remember, listen to what she says. Listen to this. This is what really caught my ear. Remember, it is the great awakening and we must get out of our heads and into our hearts. Now that's from a pagan side that is saying this is the time of great awakening. God's moving, and in the same level that God moves, so does the enemy raise his level of standard of movement as well. But the harvest is ripe and ready to come in. I told you the other day, I had a, a dream vision. I don't know. I just see in my spirit. I see a great harvest coming in. But it's not coming in to a service. It's an unconventional gathering of harvest. They're not looking for a preacher. They're not looking in the sense of what we know. Let's bring an evangelist and we'll get a great harvest. But it is all. it is as though something great has happened. Something, you know, in the world. I didn't see what anything that happened, but people are gathering. I saw them coming like refugees out of the out of the Ukraine that were trying to find a place of safety and a place of peace. But then I saw people moving towards them, and I knew that was the church. Because in this, I heard the Lord say, it's all hands on deck, and we've got to start bringing these people in. We've got to start ministering. You've been equipped and you've been prepared and you've been made ready for such a time as this. Look at your neighbor and say it's the time of great harvest. We're not talking about church growth. That's a different world. Although the harvest will grow the church. You need to understand that. Make sure that that's clear. 
Because if you're not careful, people will say, Pastor, all you're chasing is after numbers. No, I'm chasing a harvest. And I've got to get the harvest into the barn. And the barn is going to get full. And you've been wanting to know why God hasn't been using you. And God is saying, now it's your time. Because this is going to be organized, unorganized ministry that's going to take place. You're going to find yourself ministering out of your, out of where you've been, out of where you've walked, ministering and pouring into the lives of people. I believe on an everyday manner, you need to be looking for them coming in. I can tell you all real excited about that, but I'm just trying to tell you because see, we're looking for revival. I keep hearing everybody say, we want revival. I heard this before I came out of my office. Quit looking for revival and be the revival. Come on, somebody. Quit looking for a meeting. Quit looking for this to happen. And start letting it happen through your life. Here's another thing that I believe the prophets would all say and would all agree on. Even the rabbis are saying this. That is the time of the promises of God being fulfilled. That the things that God has promised you, the things that you have been waiting upon, that time is here. That moment has come that you're going to see the fulfillment. Part of the thing behind the wall, we talked about strongholds yesterday. We're going, or last week, and we're going back to Joshua 1 again this morning for just a few moments, and then I'll land the jet. The first city they had to take was the city of Jericho, which was a great walled city. I believe behind the walls was the promise. And God said, You've got to take down that stronghold in order to get to your promise. Some some of you are waiting for God to move it. And God said, I've given you the authority and the power to move the strongholds that are in your life. Get them pulled out of the way so that you can move forward and get into the manifestation of that which you've been believing for. I also believe we're being set up for the coming of the Lord. Now, I know we have a world that's filled with different theology. Pastor Chris, that was here a few weeks ago, touched about, talked about the coming of the Lord. I'm not going to go back into that message. Some believe he's coming. Some believe he isn't. I don't know about you, but I'm going to live ready. If he comes to take me out of here, I'm ready to go. And if he comes and he leaves us here, I'm ready to live. However it's going to turn out, you and I must be ready to serve the Lord. We must be ready for Jesus no matter what it looks like now the Bible says let's go to the book of Joshua chapter 1 real quickly we're talking about crossover this morning there's several things I want to look at that I pose to you differently there's been 40 years from the time that Israel had come to the promised land to this moment of time that they're getting ready to cross in. If you'll remember, we talked about that in Numbers chapter 13 last week when God told Moses to send spies in the land to see if it's exactly what it was like. And they came back and report said, yes, it's everything you said it was, but there's great walled cities. I believe that's one reason why they have first have to take out Jericho because they doubted what God intended for them to do. But 40 years has passed now. I believe it's also a prophetic statement that a generation before us, I want you to think about this for a moment. There's been great people behind us. I'm saying it like that. There's been great leaders and there's been great movements behind us. There's the apostles that look forward and they begin to prophesy into our day. I believe it speaks like this. 
Cornelius. That period of time speaks of generation or generations. And I believe that you and I are going to be the unfolders and we're going to see what our forefathers, what the generations past only dreamed of. They saw it by the Spirit. They were praying about it, but never got a hold of it. You see, you can be in faith and still never receive the promise. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews that all of these died in faith, having seen the promise, but never got a hold of it. But I believe he wrote that for us because I believe we're the generation that's going to walk out the faith that all of those back there only had a glimpse of, only dreamed of, and now you and I are going to be the manifestation of that dream. You need to understand that we're all in a prophetic time. Pastor, why do you preach the way you do? Because this is how God has me do it. I don't know. I wish I could do it better. But this is how God has me. We as a people of God have to know what God is doing in order that we may walk in and walk out, obtain and have and do everything that God has intended for us to do. Then he says to Joshua, My servant Moses is dead. Now rise up. Rise up. Joshua 1. The Moses, after he speaks, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to get up. We can't be lazy no more. It's time for us to cross over. You know what is amazing? There is a group of people that come to the point where we are that will choose to stay back. I want you to realize that. And they're good church folks. They're good believers. But they come and said, this is good for us over here. We don't want to go over there. But God said, it's time to go over. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Everybody, I want you to please hear something. We cannot get caught up. I said this last week and I'm going to say it again. We cannot get caught up in the grief of the last move. And many of us don't realize we're grieving over yesterday. I remember years ago when people like Merton, John Patterson was here and we had come, we had come in and it'd been years. And if I heard the story once, I've heard it a million times. Pastor, I remember when we came to church and we were lined up all the way around the walls of the church and everybody was praying for revival. That was a great moment of time. And especially us, gray hairs I wanted I'm putting mine I just put a little color on it to knock the white out all right listen but all of us that are in that spot we've got enough of familiarity of yesterday you've got enough experience from yesterday that it is very difficult to cross over because my yesterday keeps pulling at me and the reason sometimes it takes so long for us to get to the point of where God wants us to be isn't that it's not God's time and it's not God's will but I'm so hung up in my yesterday in the movement of my past that I won't take the step to step over and step into something new because it is unfamiliar to where I've ever walked he said it's time rise up get over 
I buried Moses. I hid him. Nobody knows where he's buried. Because we want to keep, we need another Azusa. We, we, need a, we need another meeting like they had in Pensacola. Listen, I'm not opposing meetings. Please don't anybody take it that way. But as long as I keep looking back, I can't get even get into what God's doing right now. Because if I could just get, if I could just get, I, he's going to be with the Lord. But if we could have just got Brother Steve Hill here, we could have had a Pensacola in this place. If I could just got this one here, we could have had that. If I could get John Kilpatrick here, if I could get Benny here, if I could get Rod here, everything would be well. I got news for you. They're not coming here. The only people that are here are you you and I. So it must be you and I that God is dependent on in this time. Come on, somebody. Am I right, pastor? Shut me down. Pull my coattail. He said, we're going to cross over, but notice something he said. He said, every place the sole of your foot treads upon is going to be yours. How far are you going to go? How fast are you going to walk? How quick are you going to run? And then there's a verse, chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, or verse 7. He said, only be strong and very courageous that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left, to the right hand or left, that you may prosper wheresoever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but shall, you shall meditate on it therein day and night. Listen church, you've got enough word in you right now if you would just take the little that you got and you would start using the word. You're going to have to have it. He said, you're going to have to have my word in order to move in this moment. He said, you got to keep your eyes on it because if you don't, you'll turn to the left and you'll turn to the right. I believe that's why he said don't turn because if you're putting your eyes on the wrong thing the wrong person the wrong move you're going to step from where God has intended for you to go but then he said talk about it he said don't let it get out of your mouth don't let it get out of your mouth he said meditate on it roll it over day and night what are you thinking about? I can, tell you, I can tell you where you are. If the only time that you're ever thinking about God in this house is we're going to have an altar call in a little bit. Because if you're not thinking about Him throughout the day, if you're not thinking about Him at night, if He's not at the forefront of your life, you're going to come up in the backside of what God is doing in the present time. That's why He said this thing is life. This isn't a movement. This thing is life. Look at your neighbor and say, this is life. I got news for you as a pastor, as a preacher, whatever. This isn't my job. People have asked me, Pastor, when are you going to retire? Retire. I didn't know there was such thing. Very seriously. I didn't know there was such thing. I'm not talking about age. Because this isn't, listen, this isn't an occupation. This is a calling. This is a life. May I remind you once again, to become a Christian is the experience of a moment. But to be a Christian is the experience of a lifetime. It's not a coat you put on. It's not a title you wear. It's not a feeling you have. It's a life you live when you're at home. It's a life you live on the market, in the school. It's a life that we live everywhere we go. Look at your neighbor and say, it's the life you live. See, we've made it so much about feeling. But he said, you're going to have to have my word in you for this moment. 
You're going to have to have my word in you. Then he give them instruction to cross over. I don't have time for every verse. But I want you to go when he sent the spies in after they were getting ready to cross over, they came back. They went to Rahab's house and Rahab said, we've heard our people in verse nine. She said something like this. She said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. They already, the enemy is fearing you making a move. He already knows who you are. Your name is already written down in hell and I hope it's written down in heaven. But the enemy already knows the threat that you become. But look at the next verse. Notice why the terror came. Because we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea so that when you come up out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of Jordan. Notice there was a transition, a crossover point out of Egypt into in the wilderness there was a Red Sea that opened up and there was a dry place they crossed upon. In a few moments, I'm going to talk about the Jordan overflowing at, at its banks. It's harvest time. I got a picture that it kind of looks like the Mississippi River flowing. And God caused it to back up and to build a wall. And from the point where Israel would cross over, it would become a dry place. If some of you have been in a dry place, it might not be what you think. It might not be the problem of the church. It might not be the problem of the pastor. It might not even be a problem of something wrong in you. Did you ever think that God may have to dry up one season in order for another season to come about in your life? Or you would have never crossed into the promise that he really had for you. When Joshua came, or not Joshua, but Elijah had came to, to, uh, to where, where, where did Elijah come out of Zarephath? He went not to Zarephath, but he went and stood before Ahab and he began to call. You, you know, he said, it's not going to rain anymore. It's not going to rain. And then all of a sudden the rain shut down and God caused everything, the water to stop. But he took Elijah down by a brook. He took him to the brook. Uh, was it Kidron's? Kidron. He took him to the brook and there the Bible said that he watered him from the brook and he sent a raven in with meat every day for him. And he let him rest at that place for a period of time. But then there come a time the brook dries up. The brook is dry. It's empty now. I believe the raven quit bringing meat. He could no longer stay there and survive. But Lord, I remember the miracle you did for me. See, that's your greatest enemy. It's the miracle of yesterday. It ought to be a great worship and a great praise. But don't let your miracle, don't let your experience of yesterday become an enemy because it will keep you memorializing yesterday instead of realizing God's got a new assignment and he's going to use you to affect generations. He said to him there, arise and go to Zarephath. For there I have commanded a widow to sustain you. Now there's nothing in the picture that looks good. Because he said, I'm going to send a widow to take care of you. 
Most of the time, that's not real exciting because most of the time, widows were in need anyway. They were the ones that were needing somebody to take care of them. But when he gets there, he, has, he finds this widow that's got a son. He said, give me some of your bread or talks to her for a moment. And God had already spoke to her and said, I'm sending a prophet to take care of you. She gets there and things are bad. Times are bad. Economics are bad. Gas is too high to get anything for their chariots. The marketplaces, the shelves are empty. Everything is rough. And when he gets there, she says to him, all I got left is a little bit of meal in this barrel. And I'm going to take it. I'm going to make a meal. I'm going to take these sticks, build a fire. And I'm going to make a meal for me and my son. And that's going to be it. But God used the prophet. He said, you got something she doesn't. See, the number 57, 83 is the number of this, of this uh, new year coming. And part of it, I don't have time to unfold or unpack because I'm still looking into it myself. But part of it means this. You that have something are now going to go to them that don't have. And you're going to release that to them. And they're going to move up. And they're going to step up into a new way of living. So he gets there and he says, I challenge you, give me just a little bit of it. All I ask of you first. And then you go back and you eat. And I'll tell you, your meal barrel will never run dry. And we know that what happened, the miracle that took place at that moment. But the reality was that really wasn't just about the meal barrel. It was about the generation. It was about her son that would become sick, if I recall the story right, that God God would restore all because of what the prophet would do. See, if God's drying up your season, he may be putting you into a new place. And every, every major place is going to have a dry place. And you're going to have to discern, wait a minute, I'm in the plan of God. We've all been there. Every one of us been there. I get discouraged just like every one of you. Am I done? Is it over? Did I fail? Is it my fault? Is it this? Is it that? But a lot of times, Miss Judy, that dry spot is the only way we're going to get over. But you don't realize you're right in the middle of a miracle because he calls the Red Sea to road back and you're walking through waters. You're walking through a place at that point. God said, I'm going to deal with the enemies of your past. Let's move forward real quickly so I can get this jet down. He brings them to the Red Sea. He says to the people in Joshua chapter 3, he says to Moses or to Joshua, he said, I want you to send the priest in front of them. And he said, I want there to be about 2,000 cubits by measure between the people and the Ark of the Covenant and the priests that are carrying it. That's a good distance. That's a great distance. Matter of fact, it almost measured almost three quarters of a mile that God would say the priests are to go ahead of you. What is the whole purpose of that distance? He said, listen, do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go for you have not passed this way before. So if you've not passed this way before, there's some unfamiliar territory for you. 
and it doesn't look like where you've been. I remember getting lost one time. Anybody ever got lost besides me? My wife said, we've been by this before. (laughs) We've been by this before. But he said, you've not passed this way before. The territory is going to look different. You got to understand something. They didn't have binoculars. All they had was their eyes. But I believe that God said, I want it that far because it's going to make you look more intent than you've ever looked before. I believe it's going to, it's like a ball player. You ever watch these guys on the mount? I don't know how far that is from the pitcher's mount to the, to the, to the home plate. Anybody know? Is it like 90 feet? Tom, you're an umpire. How much? 66 something feet. That's a pretty good distance. And some of those guys get down like this. They got the ball in their hand. And these guys do this number. And they're sitting there, hey, why don't you just tell me what pitch to get? I can't see you. Because they're looking like they can't see what's going on. And what he's saying to us is, I want him to stay just enough in front of you so that you have to keep your eye so intently upon the moving of the Lord so that you will know how to cross over. And then the Bible said that they moved and the water backed up. Then he said, I want you to bring stones. I want you to bring stones out after everybody has crossed over. Are you okay? He said, I want you to bring the worship team. Get ready to come back all right for me. Stones, because I could preach all day and I don't want to do that. I'd like to, but I'm not going to. But he said, when you cross, when all of them cross over on this dry land, everybody say dry, dry land. Every one of us, you're going to have dry places. But God wants to teach you something. I believe he wants to, we don't walk by flesh and we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. I know God has opened up something and he crossed over. But as they crossed over, verse 12 of chapter 5 says this, Then the manna ceased on that day. Then the manna ceased on that day. And after they had eaten, then the manna ceased on that day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. Wait a minute, what's going to be the difference? Every day God was bringing manna. In the afternoon God would bring quail. But now it ceased. We're in a new place. I've got to feast differently. My diet is going to become different because I'm going to feast off of the miracles. I'm going to feast off of the work that I'm going to be doing in my promise. I'm going to be feasting off the activity that Lord is going to have, God is going to have me doing in that place. And then in verse 13, it said, It came when Joshua was by Jericho. He lifted up his eyes and there he saw the man. Opposite of him with the sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and he said to him, Are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? He said, No. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army. I want you to pay attention to this. He says to Joshua, Take your sandal off of your foot. 
That's interesting to me. I haven't really been able to find an answer that suffices me, but what I'm going to bring you. And I felt like it was something from the Lord, and I'll let you judge it. Remember when God spoke to Moses, he said, take your shoes off, plural. Take your shoes off, for the place you're on is holy ground. But he doesn't say that here. He says to Joshua, he said, take your shoe off, your, take the sandal off your foot. I've heard people in past that say, because remember, Joshua fought the battle when Moses was on the mountain. I've heard some say that Joshua got wounded and possibly was only one-legged. I don't know. There's no way to prove that. I know he walked with Moses all the time. I know he served Moses even closer than Aaron did. He was there. He climbed the mountain with Moses at Horeb. He done all of these things. But what was he saying? I believe he's saying this. Church, this is a moment that we're going to have to absolutely walk in unity and oneness together. When he said, take off this foot, take off, this, off the shoe of your foot, it speaks of one. It is an absolute must. Not only in this house, but I believe we are to walk in oneness with the whole body of Christ. Somehow, everything in us has to endeavor, has to endeavor to fulfill the will of God and to live and walk peaceably with all men. There was a verse that I was looking for because it's so easy. Even I've gotten messed up. I'll be honest, it's too easy. Everything is our disposal. We all got people we like to watch. We've all got people we like to follow. This guy says we need fresh fire. This guy over here says we need fresh oil. This group over here says we need to be baptized in water. This people over here say we need more prayer. This group over here say we need to spend more time in worship. And I don't know about you, I am absolutely, sometimes totally 100% confused. Who's right? Who's wrong? This group is saying this. We preach the kingdom. Another group says we preach the church. Another group says we do this and we do that. Please, I want to give you a passage that everybody needs to get in your spirit. It's in the book of Philippians chapter 1. She'll put it up on the screen. Philippians, where are you at? Are you in here? You didn't leave me, did you? Paul, in his time of trouble, said this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 13. Paul was speaking to the church at Philippi. And he says, he said, So that it became evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Next verse, please. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Look at this. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, and sincere, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chain, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. 
What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Church, that is the ultimate of every message of everything we ought to do is Jesus is going to be preached. Not everybody's going to agree with me. I'm not going to agree with them. We're not going to see eye to eye on how it ought to be done or how the flow ought to be. But the message at the end of the day ought to be is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came from heaven to earth, that He died and that He rose again. Come on. And He saved sinners. There are different moves. There's a group down in Georgia that has set up swimming pools in their church. And everybody that comes in, their emphasis is baptism. Get in the water. And everybody is getting healed and delivered that gets in the water. Now, I'm not going to set up a swimming pool because God didn't tell me to do that. And then there's the guys that come in. They're known as, I guess you could, we could call them revivalists. Man, they're aggressive. Worship is red hot. Praise bounce you off the wall. And we're going to stay all night because we're looking for a move of God. I'm all for them. I'm, I'm there applauding them if that's where it is. But that's not where I'm at. Please hear us, church. And, and this one, I've got a group that are faith and spirit people, or word and spirit people. They're going to sing two songs. Let's get in the Word. We're going to teach you. And we're going to believe that God's going to manifest. I love what they do. I follow a number of them. But I know that's not where it all is either. Somewhere there's a move of God that we're called to. And when we're crossing over, you have to under... I'm just saying, listen, let's stay in harmony and unity no matter what it looks like. Is that all right? I believe if we're going to cross over, then lastly, you're going to have to understand the sound. This is something. Most of us, if you're musicians and worshipers, it's all about this. I don't want to bust your bubble, but it's not. You remember, we're at Jericho, and this is, I'm going to wrap it up right here. He said, I want the trumpeters. He said, I got seven trumpets. Am I not right? I got seven trumpets that are going to sound once a day as they walk around the walls of Israel. They're going to go around. Everybody, everybody else is going to be quiet. But this trumpet is going to sound. Six days, they're going to go around. But on the seventh day, we're not going to go around once. We're going to go around seven times. And when the trumpets sound, you're to lift up a shout. Now there's something to be said about that. Because God said, when you shout, the walls are going to come down. You're not going to have to fight. They're just going to come down. But you're going to have to discern the trumpets. You're going to have to discern the sound. Trumpets played a great role. In Israel, there would be basically two kinds. There would be a ram's horn. 
made literally from a ram. Call it a shofar. We've had it here. We've got one around here somewhere. We've had it blown here before. But then God also had Moses to make silver trumpets. Trumpets carried a number of purposes. Let me give you a few of them real quickly. When they would hear the trumpet sound, it would mean it's time to pack up camp. We're going to move. Talked about movement. It also meant gather the people. Remember in Joel, blow the trumpet in Zion and Zion. Sound the alarm of my holy mountain. You remember that song? It would call to gather the people. It would also declare making war. We're declaring to our enemies that we're coming to take them out. It also was a sound that was made on the feast days when a sacrifice would be made, the sacrificial feast for that day, the sacrificial offering, a trumpet would sound. It was also a way of letting the people know danger is coming. It was also a sound to proclaim the king has arrived. What did Paul say to the church at Thessalonica when he comes back? He's going to come back with the sound of a trumpet. It also meant to declare the procession of the king or the feast. It meant to assemble for battle. It meant to declare victory. If we looked at it in the New Testament, it would mean a couple of other things. It would mean to raise the dead at the trumpet, at the sound of the trumpet, the dead in Christ shall rise. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52. It talks about the proclamation of the gospel. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. It was also used to proclaim the preaching as preachers. In Isaiah 51, the preaching. In Revelation chapter 8, there beyond, it talks about the judgments that would come upon the earth. So if you and I don't know how to discern the sound, is it an interesting? Paul starts out 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 1, he says something like this. Though I have the tongue of men and angels... And I can do all kinds of things. And I have not love. Listen to what he says. I am as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. In other words, this is what he's saying. See, to you and I, we just think it from the orchestra pit, from this kind of thing of just being music. They understood that there was an instruction in the sound. They understood there was movement in the sound. They understood at the moment what we were supposed to do by the sound that was being blown. But if you and I don't understand the sound, you and I will possibly could miss what God is up to because he said when you hear it blast the seventh time lift up your shout because now it's a time of victory there's a sound been going through the earth through the prophets there's a sound been going forth I'm a trumpet to you this morning you can walk away and say man that was a good message pastor 
But more important, how I did it, I want to ask you a question. What have you heard? Because just because you showed up and you heard something didn't mean you heard anything at all. I've gone to meetings as a preacher. I'm in meetings all the time. And man, I've watched preachers that are really preaching. Everybody's up on their feet. I've watched guys run to the pulpit and they're slapping the, they're running, they're slapping the podium while the preacher's preaching. I mean, he's loud, sweat is pouring from him. I've watched preachers come in from behind him. They're patting him on the back. Man, everybody is enraged of how he's delivering. His message is good, but they're caught up in the moment of delivery. My question for you, are you discerning the sound? Are you hearing what God is saying for the moment? It's time to cross over. Church is in a new spot. Everything is becoming new. Everything is new. You're in a new place. You're not in the place you were a year ago. You're not in the place. Pastor prophesied on May 15th. I don't mean to keep using him, but I have to because he spoke it as a prophetic voice to this house. And many other prophets, he said, we have finished the steps. We have finished the steps of a, finished the, the journey of a thousand steps. I read it again. I really have read that a million times and can't keep it straight. We have finished the journey of a thousand steps. And he said, we had done it faithfully. And we had done it the way it was supposed to have been done. But now, Miss Judy. We are in the new of some of a new step that God has us in. It's a new step. Look at your neighbor and say it's a new step. We're crossing over. I left one great point out and I'll backtrack and put it in. When they came over, all of those that were born in the wilderness were not circumcised and identified as the children of God. And he said, before you can go in, you've got to circumcise those that were born in the wilderness. Circumcision in that moment was a mark. It was a mark of covenant between them and God. God said, I'll be your God. And they were saying, I'm your people. We're yours. We're going to live for you. This was the mark upon the male children because they were the seed carrier. They were the seed carrier for generations that if they didn't dedicate themselves, the next generation, do you realize that we are all only one generation from total collapse in our nation, in our world? All it takes is one generation. He said, it's time to sever your heart. It's time to get rid of your sin. It's time to identify with me like you never have before. It's time to sell out, church. It's time to be all in. Well, pastor, you're just preaching. No, I'm telling you what God is saying. Matter of fact, I was listening to a rabbi the other day. And he was talking about how easy it was in this time that we are in a moment of grace. And in this grace, it is so easy. It's easier than we're making it to get rid of the habits and hang-ups and the little things that have kept us from the life that God wants us to live. 
But it's the determination that I'm willing to let God cut away, in a sense, that foreskin of my heart and come before Him and say, God, I am all in. I am serving you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my life. My question for you today, are you all in? Where are you at? As you stand to your feet with me this morning, worship team is taking their place. We're crossing over. We're crossing over. I'm going to go whether you go or not. I'm determined. I'm determined to go all the way. The old saints, I love the testimonies of the old saints. I'm determined I'm going all the way. I don't hear that language anymore. I don't hear that. And it's not based upon what I feel. It's not based upon whether he does another thing for me or not. He's done way too much for me, Miss Sandy, for me to quit now. He has done. He's touched me too many times, Miss Adrian. He's healed me. He's provided for me. But Jill, whether he'd done any of that or not, nobody cared for me like Jesus. Nobody loved me like him. Nobody was willing to give their life for me. And if he never does another thing for me, I'm going to serve him because he laid down his life so I could pick up my life or pick up his life and live my life through him. Where are you at this morning? This is the greatest hour for the church. It's the greatest hour for all humanity. But it is going to require something of us. It's going to require us to cross over.